It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are here to break down some familiar faces and some new guys here in week four. What's up, Colin? Oh, another fun week of college football behind us. Uh, another, it, it was a pretty shitty week of NFL football, honestly. So I was, I was happy to have a nice week of college football behind us to kind of prop up the weekend. You know, once again, I'm I'm sitting here just in anticipation for next year when we can do our all grown up segments because once again. I am coming with a desire to scream into this microphone about Drake London and about (laughs) how goddamn great he is at the game of football and how many people tried to say that he wasn't good. But I digress because that's not the time. It's not the time or place for that. But I I get it because I feel the same way about Devontae Smith this t- today yes, it was yes. like oh my god oh he's too skinny i thought he was too fucking small to succeed over there fucking that's what i people. heard yeah that's what i heard well uh anyway yeah so next year some of these what well, we don't even know the narratives on these guys yet remember we're not even in the midst of draft season really we are still just curating our list of players to go into the second half and in the off season with um and like i said there's some familiar faces on this list today but guys we haven't talked about in a little while um and then also some some brand new guys guys that i literally just learned about this week and excited about them already so uh before we get into the action of the week morning meeting colin you have anything for the morning meeting today i have something for the morning meeting today Oh, okay. So there there's a, a thing that, that I've been thinking about. It's it's take lock. You sit here, you have a take, you lock it in, and you just never like when do you get off of a take? When is it time to get off of the bandwagon? Especially for a player, especially for a player that you scouted, drafted in Dynasty and you're holding on to. When it, when do you decide okay? I was wrong about this player. When can you swallow your pride and and drop that guy? You know what I mean? I would say if they're getting healthy scratched in their second season, I'd say I'm going to drop that take. Shout out Terrace Marshall. You know, I'm you win some you lose some. For every Drake London, there's a Terrace Marshall. Not that I thought that they were comparable prospects at all, but I think, yeah, no, I think it's it's very tough sometimes. And we were just talking before we started about TJ Hawkinson. That's a name right there where it's like we're in year four. All right. Now, he has not lived up to it. He has not been an eighth overall pick as a tight end in terms of receiving production. But as I was saying, I was like, well, maybe, you know, he's, he's still only 25. We know how long it takes tight ends. And you're saying it's over. He's been the number one target on the Lions for the first three years of his career. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess Hawkinson is an example of this where he has, like, full control of all the receiving work in an offense, and then Amon Ra just walks in and market corrects him, just becomes the -the over-the-middle dominant threat 
where Hawkinson is supposed to be. Uh, so yeah, Hawkinson is one of those guys, uh, LaVisca Chenault, a lot of people are on that Island. There's, I mean, let's talk like Jerry Judy. Mm -hmm. When, when do we start talking to having that conversation? But I mean, there's injuries involved there, so it's more complicated. Uh, but yeah, it's just uh, something that's, that's been on my mind where it's like you, you create these strong takes and have these opinions on players before they enter the league and then they come in and might not live up to those. When, when are you like, okay, I, I was wrong. I, you know, need to, need to take my loss on this one. I think generally it's year three. Okay. I give it three years. Like, not everybody's Jamar Chase as a rookie, and that's fine. And we're already seeing that this year. Well, how you know how reactive people have become now with social media, and everybody has an opinion on every player now. So when a when a guy doesn't you know stand out in his rookie season, well you know we're already writing him off, a la Trevor Lawrence. How about that one? Um, so I would say year three, if we go, if we go into year three and we're still not seeing the production that we expected out of a, out of a player, then you can comfortably say, okay, something is wrong here. Something is not matching up with the evaluation. What, you know, we don't know exactly what that is. It could have been, you know, coaching, it could have been injuries. It could have just been a misevaluation of talent. A number of things, but I would say year three is the point in time where I'm gonna say, okay, yeah, the, I'm gonna change my change my tune. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard when you love a player to it is to let go. It's incredibly hard. I yeah, it's and and honestly, like I still have hope for guys that have been in the league for six years or yeah. more. Yeah. And I'm still like, well, you know, if it breaks right, you know, they got a lot of talent. And well, Dante you know. Pettis, every time he makes a big play, it's like, <laughs> oh, man, what could have been? Corey Davis. I yeah. mean, C Corey Davis is a player that I'll never, I'll never quit on him. Like, he's going into what? This is year seven, year six or seven. And I mean, he's on a, a new team and all that. And he had all the buzz there and going into last year, I was like, this is his time. This is his moment. Still the same player he was for his whole NFL career. So, yep. It's tough. It's a tough. It, one, is tough. But, it is tough. Uh, it's just, it's such a fun point though, about the, the life that these players have before they enter the league and after, because yep. we're going to talk about all these guys today, just like we always do. And they're still just the little saplings. Like we, <laughs> we, there's so much promise, so much potential in these guys. But once they get into the NFL, that it, it's grow quickly or die. That's how exactly. it works. So. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. That's a that's a great way to start the episode today. Um, let's jump into the action. Campers of the week. I will kick us off this week. Uh, a player that we had mentioned, I think, in passing a couple of times, almost as a, is this guy going to get a call home? What's going on with this guy? We haven't really seen it yet. He was a top five preseason running back for both of us. And this was the game where I would call it a little bit of a breakout for him this season. So this is Devin A. Chain. Last week, meaning week three, 
against Miami. I, I think I made a comment last week, like, hey, Chain had a pretty good game this week. And the tapes out there, shout out Keel Pro 88, the tape on A-Chain is out there against the Hurricanes. It was a lot better than the stat line. The stat line was good. I mean, it was it was great, actually. But what he looked like was like the player that I thought he was going to look like coming into this season as a total package at the running back position. He's not just a track athlete. He is a true running back. And he was showing it off in that game, and he did it again this week. Uh, 19 carries for 159 yards and one touchdown. Uh, the touchdown was really nice. He was, it was a very patient run in the red zone, uh, kind of you know waited, 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 and then he shot the gap, scored. Really nice run there. And you probably saw the other highlight in this one because it was the A-chain special. Uh, where he just takes off and makes a bunch of grown men uh, look like JV high school athletes because of how fast he was. Uh, And that was like a 60-yard run or something. So two statement plays, really good outside of that. Two weeks in a row now for A-Chain, and and yeah, he's he's looking great. Seems like Devon. Devon A-Chain. Yes, Devon. Uh, Seems like he's kind of becoming more comfortable as a workhorse every down back. And I obviously didn't play every down in this game, but effectively was the number one running back. And yeah, he, I, I love the, the patience he's showing the trust in the offensive line against a good Arkansas defense that had my two time, uh, defense player of the week, Drew Sanders, just a couple times it made him look like he's running cement and it's like, yeah, A chain the the patience he shows on those like inside zone runs where he sits and he waits and he picks a hole and then it just like he goes. He shoots out of a cannon. And that that sixty three yard run you're referencing was like yeah, that's that's what I want to break through my that, that first line of defense is a guy that can do this, that can just fly. Yeah, A chain he he has a chance to keep if he keeps growing because if you look at it it's like he's getting more attempts he's getting more yards getting more yards per carry it's it's all kind of adding up for a chain and so we'll we'll see if he can just keep on growing in this role and become like a, a true highly touted draft prospect. Yeah, that's a great point. It's, I mean, he's looking better every week. That's, that is such a a critical thing. I mean, we've praised guys for that, you know, seeing that development within the season, how are you progressing? And in the last, in the last two weeks, he has nine runs of 10 or more yards. Mm -hmm. He had three in the first two weeks. He triples that in the next two games. So the explosiveness, the I, I can't even call it explosiveness because it doesn't do justice how much of a game breaker a chain is from a speed perspective. I mean, it is, it's one of the craziest things to watch when you just see him find a gap and just shoot it. Yeah. And like you said, this isn't, you know, they're not playing uh Sam Houston, like week one, this is Arkansas. This is yeah. a top, uh, one of the best teams in the country, top defense, and he's making them look he's making them look slow, and yeah. and that is a testament to his to his talent. And it's yeah, I I just 
I was very happy to see the last two weeks from A-Chain because this is a guy, like I said, I think in the preseason, this is going to be a guy that a lot of people gravitate towards because of that speed. And uh, now he's showing the production to go with it. Absolutely. All right. Give me your camper of the week. New name alert. Yes, sir. I got a new guy that has been dominating college football the last three weeks. This is Israel Izzy Abanacanda out of Pittsburgh. Uh, This week was his best week so far. He's had over 130 yards on the ground. This is a running back. Uh, His last three weeks, he's had over 130 yards on the ground. Uh, 154 against Tennessee in week two. 133 last week against Western Michigan. And this week against Rhode Island, uh, 19 attempts for 177 yards and four scores. Uh, this this is a he's he's kind of slender. He is really fast. This guy is is also a burner. He's he's kind of similar to a chain in like the style of running. Uh, I I like how he finishes through contact. And yeah, I, I just was really impressed with this game that, that Abanacanda had. And he, he kind of picks out his, his spots and then goes, he's, he has great vision. This, this game kind of showed it off the best cause he would, would get it and almost like skip in the backfield. He'd like pop back and forth and then shoot a gap and get like nine yards almost every time. And then every once in a while would just go the distance he had, uh, five yards or five runs over 10 yards he had a a 67 yard touchdown I think he had another 40 yard carry uh it it was pretty nuts uh the the way that he was dominating he had 19 carries and 51 percent of them were breakaway runs which are for 10 or more yards so uh pretty pretty good game for Abanacanda yeah I remember Abanacanda kind of caught my eye in that first game against West Virginia, that fun game kicking off college football uh, with the backyard brawl. And Abanacanda, not a not this this is easily by statistics his worst performance of the season. But that reception, the twenty four yard reception, if I'm not mistaken, that was later in the game, and he flashes that speed. And yep. you're like, ooh, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of – this hap- if you're watching enough college football, that's going to happen from time to time. Like, who's this guy? And then sometimes they turn out to be, you know, whatever. Then for three weeks, Abanacanda goes absolutely crazy uh, for the Pittsburgh Panthers. So, yeah, I – I am very glad that we're able to talk about him today because I honestly had no idea what he had done <laughs> from that first game where it seemed like he was almost like the change of pace guy a little bit for them. Uh, and that has not been the case for the last three weeks. He is exploding. Yeah, absolutely. And his his best game was against Tennessee. Uh, and I, I he honestly wasn't on my radar just just based on who he was. Uh, but I had to, had to give him the nod just because of what he's been doing these last three weeks. It's like, okay, if you're going to be putting up 130 plus yards every week, you deserve to be mentioned in this. And so, yeah, it's, it's fun to see these, these running backs kind of develop over the, over the season. And 
He's a junior. Yeah. That's going to come up. I mean, we've a lot of the guys that we've talked about have been seniors. I mean, especially in the wide receiver category, a lot of seniors, even a sixth-year senior. <laughs> when you find these guys that are, you know, flashing that talent as a, as a juniors or younger, then that's when you really start to – your eyes start to really light up. So, yeah, awesome, awesome call-out here this week. Um, all right, getting into the badges, we're sticking on running backs. It's, it's every single week. We're just going to yeah. keep pounding the backs. Uh, another guy here, a familiar name. How about Zach Charbonnet? He's getting the Phantom badge because he was like a ghost out there. This guy's 220 pounds, and he was every time the Colorado defenders tried to tackle him, it was like he just went poof into thin <laughs> air. I mean, side note, great way to get your running numbers padded is facing this Colorado team this is one of the worst run defenses in the country this is the team that ibrahim put up 200 against in like three quarters well how about charbonnet nine carries it's another one of those hawaii games from last year nine carries 104 yards and three touchdowns and all three of the touchdowns were really really impressive runs two of them were super long he's making guys miss in the open field i mean we we build this guy up he's the bruiser He's, he's the guy that's going to run through you, and now he's doing this stuff in the open field, making guys just evaporate in his wake. I, I Wow. Charbonnet, man. Crazy. Yeah, the, the move that he put on the safety on his mm-hmm. second touchdown run, he, he should have been arrested. <laughs> that that <So>. was... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody should like Photoshop that guy's soul leaving his body. Yeah, because he's because <laughs> Charbonnet breaks through the line. He, he just he gets he makes a little move on a linebacker. No no big deal. And it's just one on one face up with the safety and just like stutter steps and then just burns past him. And the the safety no chance. There he had no chance. There was nothing. He even if. Charbonnet just runs through him. He probably scores a touchdown. But Charbonnet decided to get a little fancy, give him the, like a little two-step crossover, and the the guy looked pretty dumb. And yeah, Charbonnet had, had not been like incredible this season, but he is very efficient on his touches. He hasn't been getting a super high workload, which is kind of a good thing since we like you don't want him to get worn down in this extra season that he's spending in college. So I like that they're using him sparingly and he's still showing that he's got it. Yeah. I, I love seeing the additional tools that he has. Like we, we knew he had a little bit of speed, like he's got the power, but he also had the speed. That's how he gets into our top five in the preseason rankings. Then you see him mixing in the finesse, like just, not a not a little juke. I mean, these are like very creative little nuanced stutter jukes where the guys are just falling over because they're like, where did he go? Yeah, he's gone. And yep. and like you said, he could have ran through any of these guys. He could have taken a safety to the grave, but he decides <laughs> to to put him down in a different way. That's that's crazy. And yeah, I like that too, where he's not getting overworked. He comes back for the senior season, but. Keep some tread on those tires. Make yourself a uh, a nice bit of money at the next level. Absolutely. 
All right, give me your first badge. Guess what, guys? It's a running back. It is a running back. Uh, someone that is wearing the tread off of the tires. <laughs> this is the tote that thing badge for Blake Corum for Michigan. I was talking last week about how none of the Michigan, uh, none of the Wolverines were really like popping. And then Blake Corum goes 29 attempts on the ground, 236 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, one of these against our, our Terrapins. Oh, the Terrapins. God. What are they doing? <laughs> Killed our Terrapins. But uh, most of these came on two runs. Uh, one was just a, a ho-hum little cutback, and their O-line kind of squeezed the D-line. And it was a, I think it was a fourth and one or a third and one where the whole defense kind of just jammed the middle and Coram just bounced it out and just scampered all the way to the end zone. Uh, and then he had another one where he kind of picked out a hole and went untouched again to the house. Uh, so he had, that's where most of his production came, but on, on his other carries where he, I mean, he had 27 other carries and he he was working very nuanced in that backfield. He was finishing with power. He's a small guy, five foot eight, two ten. He's a very stocky. He obviously has a little bit of breakaway speed. Um, but yeah, he was just doing a lot in this game and kind of carrying that Michigan offense. And he did a did a fantastic job on uh, just just making good decisions with the ball in his hand in the backfield. See, that's the thing, man. Like, this is a name that it's, you know, there's a little bit of buzz here before the season. So you're like, okay, let's see how, uh, what core. I don't know. I didn't know much about him uh, before the season, but he's a junior. So another junior here. Yep. Um, first three games, I mean, he maxed out at 13 carries 13, 9, and 12. So, and, you know, he had five touchdowns last week, but that's on 71 yards. Yep. So, like you said, you even mentioned it. I remember you mentioning it, and then this happens: twenty-nine carries. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the what the shift was there in the usage for old Jimmy Harbaugh, but uh, yeah, two thirty-six, not a bad day for Mister Corum. Uh, their other running back fumbled early in this game. There it is. So Corum just yep, he got the reins. Harbaugh said, "Yep, you can sit down." We'll let Corum take the reins, and Coram or Corum took him and, and ran with him. Maybe that's just a a good thing to do then. Yeah, they, yeah. Bench <laughs> your guys keep, if they fumble. Keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, let's shift away from the running backs. Wow. Uh, how about some quarterbacks? How about this guy? The guy, the most polarizing name potentially in all of college football prospect land anthony <laughs> richardson he's getting a badge this week this guy has been up and down and up yeah. and down. <laughs> yeah. i'm giving him a fucking badge this week because uh he's getting the prime time player badge because the last couple games against kentucky and usf really really struggling no touchdowns four interceptions didn't eclipse 150 yards passing 
uh, but goes into this huge matchup with Tennessee at in Knoxville uh, and just duels with Hendon Hooker in this game and has a, a statement performance, 453 yards passing uh, and two touchdowns, his first two passing touchdowns of the season. Also did have another interception in this game. But uh, when you watch what he was doing in this game, I mean, this was the Anthony Richardson that gets you excited as a as a prospect. He was making the sorts of throws that you say to yourself, if we can see this consistently, this guy's a top 10 pick in the NFL. Like, it, no doubt. And, you know, after struggling to start the year, I, I really love that he comes out in a game like this, in a big game, uh, and just really shines. And hopefully that's a sign of things to come for Anthony. Yeah, 45 attempts in this game. They were putting everything on Richardson's shoulders. They were like, hey, man, we're going to live and die by you. And in this game, he he played exceptional. The, he had had one pass to Zipper on the, on the right side where he just bounced around the pocket. It was like mm-hmm. he, he bounced to the left, he bounced back to the right, and then he bounced up in the pocket and then delivered an off-platform like off kind of weird arm angle over to the right sideline, and it had some zip on it. And That then, was the touchdown, right? That was the touchdown. Then that was his first it. touchdown pass of the season, and yeah, yeah, the pocket mobility was just... It was nuts, and then Zipper took it and, and had to break a couple tackles, got in the end zone, but the, the play he made to get that ball to his his teammate was so impressive. It, it's it's a play that you expect a a guy with Richardson's skill set to just tuck it and run. It's, right, but he didn't. He he bounced exactly. left. He has a lane to run. Bounces back into a a closing pocket and then kind of steps up into it and fires a perfect ball. And that's the kind of play where it's like, man, Richardson could be like. A uh, incredible talent to go into the NFL. That's the thing, man. Where it's like you talk about ability to move within the pocket, and for guys like this, it's so often thought of like we're gonna move away from pressure, scramble outside, and either make a play with your feet or find a guy down the field. That play that you're talking about, that is not at all what Richardson did. He he played within the pocket. He did not scramble. It wasn't a scramble. He was he stayed in his stance the whole time and he's just bouncing around in there. The 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 awareness within the pocket was exceptional and he drops a dime there. That's the kind of stuff that you're think that you're talking about here. When you're saying, can we see some next level moments? from Richardson and that and that was it and that's and we you know 453 yards passing two touchdowns how about another two touchdowns with his feet four touchdown performance he's taken over the game he's putting the Gators on his shoulders uh and it makes it a thrilling a thrilling game with with the uh 11th ranked volunteers so um yeah I you know maybe it's going to be more up and down and honestly that's probably what it will be but these are the moments in time that put Anthony Richardson firmly on that, you know, high first round sort of a platform. 
Well, you say you live and you die with Anthony Richardson. And unfortunately, the Gators died with Anthony Richardson in this game because the fumble that he had late, it it killed him. That, that set up Tennessee to get their game-sealing drive. So the turnover problems are an issue. Uh, he has two fumbles on the season. Uh, last week he had the the one important one, and he has five interceptions so far. So got to clean that up. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Richardson has looked the the, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. It's it's really <laughs> tough to know what to think right now. <laughs> it's just, oh man, I'm looking. This is going to be a fun uh, fun postseason eval for Richardson. Yeah, but. absolutely. Uh, all right. Why don't we just stay right in this game? Give me your next badge. Let's do it. I got Hendon Hooker with the uh, silver medal badge <laughs> because you watch this game and you're going back and forth, and he just doesn't look as good as Anthony Richardson. But he did enough to uh, get this get this win. He did enough. Uh, he didn't turn the ball over. He looked clean in this game. I, I lied. He had a fumble. Uh, didn't throw an interception though, but Hendon Hooker, 349 yards, two touchdowns. He was going through his progressions really well, which I liked. It's not often you see a college quarterback. They, they run a lot of schemes to make it easy on the quarterbacks, but he was working with his eyes really well. Uh, he threw a really nice deep ball down the right sideline. He it, it doesn't have a ton of zip on the ball, which I don't love because in the NFL you need to fit it in some tight windows and I don't know if uh if if the the arm strength is there he has arm talent but I don't know if the arm strength is there if you know what I mean yeah I this is such a weird this is such a weird player for me because this kind of goes back to our conversation from last week about box score scouting like Hendon Hooker is doing everything that he needs to do this year. He's playing on a, a great team. He's leading a great team right now. He has almost 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, no picks on the season. I mean, he's he's doing it, and he's a dual threat. I mean, he's got yeah. a, the ability to, to move as well. So you kind of sit there thinking, what what's wrong here? Why is this guy not a top? prospect at the quarterback position and it's just those things when you turn on the tape and you'd sit there and it's like well that's not really you're not seeing the things that you want to see uh when you're looking for nfl traits i mean it's a lot of playing within the system he's not making a lot of anticipatory throws it's a lot of scanning the field finding the open guy like he goes through the progressions well like you said that's a i mean that's good but he it, the the throws aren't coming out when guys yeah. are making their breaks it's very oh you're open let me throw it um and it's i mean they got some really really talented receivers on that team as well so the offense is just really cooking right now and he, you know all credit to to hooker for leading that but from an nfl traits prospect perspective i like i want to like him more but it's just not there 
Yeah, yeah. He he plays very reactionary to the defense. And there's like you said, not a ton of anticipation there. He he'll sit and look one, two, three. Okay, maybe my check down's open, but now I'm scrambling. It's not like one, two, wait on it. Oh, I think he's gonna get open. It he comes off of those guys quick. It's like and so, but that leads to a game like this where he ends up having 96 yards scrambling, uh, 126 yards total on the ground. And I think Hooker was watching Anthony Richardson. I was like, I can do that. Because there was a couple times where he tried to do the things that Anthony Richardson can do, and it's he just got, like, stuck. It's it, He's not the athlete that Anthony Richardson is, to say it as nicely as possible. But uh, – he, he could definitely do some things with his feet. He had a 44-yard scramble in this game that uh, made most of his his yards. But, yeah, he, he's very just – it seems like the, the process is a little slow for him. It's just like I, I want him to go one, two, and then let it fly because there, there are talented receivers on this team needs to give them a chance, Does can't wait until they're open to, to make those throws. That's not an NFL-caliber quarterback to, to do, like a, to, to kind of wait on things to happen. You can't do that. Yeah, and I mean, the thing here, too, is like, I think he's, I mean, like, he will be drafted. Like, yes. he has enough ability to be drafted to the NFL. The question is where and what does it look like? Can we project this player to have a, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Jalen hurts. Can we project a player, a dual threat, raw passing talent to take some next steps at the next level and, and potentially, you know, play his way into becoming a starter at the next level. That's the kind of that's the kind of questions that we need to answer with Hooker by the time next April rolls around. And I, I mean, the quarterback class we know is extremely deep. So for a guy like this, where you know last year, I mean, I mean he was a junior last year. He could have came out. He didn't in a very very weak class. But I just think about where would he have slotted in with those guys and. I, I feel like you see enough on, on his tape now where, you know, there's there's at least a little bit to get excited about. One play from this game, it, they're in the red zone. He's He scrambles right and drops it back of the end zone. Uh, perfect placement on the run, back of the end zone for a touchdown. Just little things like that where yeah. it's like a dual threat guy with a little bit of arm talent making some really nice throws and you sit there and say, okay, you know, like maybe there's something more here. I mean, it's a guy who has, I mean, he had three interceptions last year, none this year, very careful, very deliberate passer. Uh, It's just, you know, like we said, the, the NFL throws with, you know, that sort of next level, like eye in the back of your head type of deal. I don't know if he has that. Yeah. That, the the fumble that he had in this game was talking about eye in the back of your head. He was just standing in the pocket for mm-hmm. way too yeah. long and just took that blindside hit on the windup and, and lost it. But, yeah, Hooker has my attention. 
he is putting up great statistics and just got to see if we can see consistent improvement out of, out of hooker and see if maybe we can start seeing those, those real NFL type throws uh, out of them. Definitely. And glad his name came up here because it's a name that deserves to, to be uh, brought up in this conversation here at the camp dynasty. Uh, we did not do this intentionally, but we're, we did running backs. We did yeah. quarterbacks. How about our wide receiver? <laughs> How about him? Uh, I have the uh, young god badge for for Tyler Scott, uh, wide receiver, Cincinnati Bearcats, because uh, we're talking about some of these running backs, Blake Corum, Abanacanda, who are both juniors. Haven't talked about a lot of wide receivers that are juniors. It's been a lot of Rasheed Rice, Cedric Tillman, Charlie Jones. These guys are, <laughs> you know, well into their college careers. Uh, Tyler Scott is a junior, right? So last year, obviously, Cincinnati has Alec Pierce, very talented wide receiver there. Now Scott is kind of the guy on this team. And obviously this is a Desmond Ritterless Bearcats team, a little bit different, but the last two weeks, Tyler Scott has sort of exploded. And this week against Indiana was 10 catches on 15 targets for 185 yards and three touchdowns, all of which came in the first half of the game. He was uncoverable in this game. And the thing that that piques my interest with Scott a lot is that he has shown an ability to win in a lot of different ways this year. The Miami-Ohio game from last week where he had 119 yards, he's making some really nice plays over the middle, had a really, really nice contested catch, high pointing the ball. Uh, He's not a big guy. He's 5'11" but it's kind of that playing bigger than you are type of deal. That's kind of what I saw with him. And then in the Indiana game, he's stretching the field. I mean, he was just taking the top off of the Hoosiers defense. He had two deep touchdowns. Uh, one, he was just completely uncovered. It was complete breakdown in coverage. Uh, but the second one, he was very tightly covered and made a very, very nice catch uh, falling into the end zone with the with the defender draped all over him. So he's got a lot of different things working for him, really good hands, really good speed. It seems like he, he might be uh, a, a real name to watch here moving forward. And another outside receiver. Mm-hmm. He's yep. uh, lined up 100% of the time in this game out wide. Uh, sorry, ninety-seven percent. He lined up in line once. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out PFF. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I I wanted to watch this game because I was like, Jesus, one hundred eighty-five yards, three touchdowns. Kid, kid could play. And uh, I, I was struggling. I found a, like a three-minute highlight reel, and I was like, yeah. Oh, all right, stretching the field. Had that seventy-five-yard touchdown. And so yeah, I don't know a, a ton about Tyler Scott, but. He's obviously very clearly the number one receiver in this offense, and uh, having having a young guy coming out in a class that is a little thinner at wide receiver than we expected it to be might be someone to kind of rise to the top. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. There's, I mean, there's no guarantee that a guy like this comes out this year. But right. what it seems like from right now for the four weeks is that this wide receiver group is not as talented as maybe we thought it was going to be going into the year. And we already kind of thought it was going to be a little bit of a step back compared to 2021 or 20, the 2022 group of guys. So um, maybe a guy like Tyler Scott steps in, fills that sort of gap um, as a junior, maybe, you know, puts up some really gaudy numbers down the stretch here. But um, yeah, uh, if you want to check out Tyler Scott, the Miami Ohio game from last week, there's a bit more out there um, where you see a little bit more of his skill set there. But yeah, there's definitely not a ton of of coverage out there right now. Um, so maybe that just means we got to catch the Bearcats this weekend. You want to know what I don't like about Tyler Scott? He's number what? 21. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Come yeah, on, that's it's what are not we doing? great. That's this is why great. this is why Sky Moore can't see the field. <laughs> He's number twenty four. What are we doing? <laughs> Get the twenties out of there. Just, I'm, a, I'm a yeah. I'm a big numbers guy. You know, I feel like we're moving to a place where you're either a single digit or a teen as a wide receiver. There rarely do you see a good number eighty something. It's like Ceedee Lamb and Greg Dortch and nobody else. T Higgins, that's it. T Higgins, you're right. Yeah, I. It's like it's pretty rare to see somebody with an 80 number that's not a tight end, that's that's really good. And so, at the 20s, what are we doing? Get 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 out of here. Be number one or something. Something to work on for Tyler. Yeah. Uh, figure that out, and we'll get <laughs> you drafted. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. Last badge on the offensive side, and guess what? It's another wide receiver. Yeah, it sure is. And I'm going to use my first repeat badge. Ooh, here we go. The terrific transfer badge I'm stealing from you. There it is. There it is. Uh, This is Tavion Robinson on Kentucky. He transferred over from Virginia Tech at the beginning of this year and has developed some pretty good chemistry with Will Levis, uh, seeming to be working towards – his number one target. Uh, he had seven targets in this game, seven receptions, 147 yards, and two touchdowns. Most of that came on one big catch. Uh, he he lines up all over the field. He is a, is a good route runner. The one of one of his touchdowns. He his second touchdown, not the long one. He he ran and he kind of came out of his break, went about six yards. And then did a stutter step like he's doing kind of a stop and go. And then gets the the DB to turn and then just shuts down the route on a curl. And Levis hit him. He turned around, stiff-armed the guy, and went to the house. It, it was it was a pretty pretty play. On the other one, it was a, a Will Levis kind of, you know, make something happen play. And Tavion just put his guy in a blender on uh it was a it was a post route. It was kind of like a corner post set the guy up on the outside and just broke across the field and was just wide open and, and Levis hit him in stride. So Tavion Robinson is, is a guy that stood out watching this this Kentucky team, watching Will Levis. And yeah, I, I really I, I love love guys that can get open from anywhere on the field. He did it outside, did it in slot, was was really effective out of the slot. Um but 
Yeah, yeah. Tavion. New new name alert. New name alert. And Will Levis, I mean, the guy has been looking pretty damn good. Uh yep. this game, I mean, I thought about even giving him a badge this week, shouting him out, but uh, we were wondering who was going to fill the Wandale Robinson void on this team because we, you know, we had said Levis leaned on Wandale a lot last year, and it seems like he's maybe developing a bit of rapport with a guy who's got a bit of a similar sort of a, a style, skill set. He's a smaller guy, a little bit bigger than Wandale, um, but kind of that smaller, twitchy athlete that you just, I mean, he's catching screen passes, things like that, and just making plays. Uh, that's that is a quarterback's best friend. Yeah, him and Barryon Brown, who's a, a true freshman. That that's also a guy that's a little bit smaller, and it seems like the Kentucky is just kind of uh, popping them out. He's only 166 pounds, but that that guy looks like a real player. He had 102 yards in this game as well. Um, but yeah, this this will will Levis offense. I was trying to look for uh, who's kind of getting the the load f- from oh getting the load from Will Levis. Hello. Oh, hey. Uh <laughs> slow down. <laughs> uh yeah, well, Tavion Robinson with the 69-yard touchdown reception, you know, in this game is is getting it's the load just, from from okay. Will Levis. <laughs> This is this is now an X-rated podcast. Uh, we're gonna get taken off all the major platforms. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to talk to Anchor about that. Maybe oh boy, take away our our monetization. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> um, yeah, no, very impressed with what I saw out of uh, Tavion Robinson. I watched his uh, some of the the highlights, the clips from the uh, Miami game, first game of this season, where he yep. went uh, 136 yards. Um, to start the year, got a little quiet over the last couple of weeks and then uh, back here in, in week four. So definitely a, a name to pay attention to. He's he's a little jitterbug. That's, I like him. He's got a little playmaking ability. Um, all right, switching over to the defensive side of things, IDPs. Uh, I got a new one. I got a new name this week. How about the Mac Daddy Badge? <laughs> Uh, this is Ivan Pace Jr., who no longer plays in the MAC, but I'm giving him a shout out because uh, he is—he's on Cincinnati. Another Bearcat makes it into the show today. Uh, he transfers from Miami of Ohio. MAC, MAC team, right there. He was first team All MAC. He was PFF's MAC Defensive Player of the Year, which is a prestigious enough honor to be listed on his player page uh, on the Cincinnati Athletics website. So, you know, it's not PFF apparently has a little bit of weight with these places. but um, So he's got a pedigree here. He's a very, very talented, very, very productive player. And he's coming over. He's a senior. This is a senior year, so three years with Miami of Ohio. Comes in this year, and he has been one of the most disruptive forces on the Bearcats defense this year. Uh, the coach, Luke Fickle, has had some very strong praise for this player, You know, kind of almost saying he's doing more than I expected him to do in such a short time because the Cincinnati defense very demanding on linebackers, um, and, and Ivan has, has been up to the bill so far. This week against Indiana, he had... 
two and a half sacks and 15 tackles. This is not an edge guy. <laughs> this is a this is a linebacker. This is a middle of the defense linebacker. Uh, he had two and a half sacks in this game. He has on the season uh, somewhere around five sacks. I know PFF's numbers are always a little <laughs> bit different, but PFF has him for five. They had him for three sacks in this game. Uh, ESPN had him for two and a half. So either way you spin it, this is a kind of along the same lines as Drew Sanders, but Drew Sanders plays a lot of his time even on the edge. It's almost like a split. Whereas Ivan Pace is just, he's a linebacker. He's a little bit of an undersized guy, six foot, 235 as a middle linebacker, but he is very athletic and, and very much of a playmaker in that position. He's flying around, making tackles. I mean, he's got 38 tackles in four games so far uh, to pair along with those five sacks. So he's all over the place. He's making plays everywhere. Uh, and he's quickly kind of ascending maybe into a, a, a premier IDP position. Yeah, this is why I hate PFF is because they just have their own stats. They just make them up. Because, <laughs> like, if you look at any other place, Ivan Pace has 46 tackles on the season. He has four and a half sacks on the season. Uh, he had 15 tackles in this game, two and a half sacks. And that, that was – Thanks in part to how how talented he is, and thanks in another part to the fact that he played 106 snaps. That's ridiculous. Jesus Christ, get the guy off the field every once in a while. <laughs> Holy shit, 106 snaps in one game. Anyway, yeah, uh, this has been a big time player all year. He's racking up a ton of numbers. He's he's cleaning up a lot of messes for the Bearcats and. Uh, yeah, back-to-back Bearcats for you. Yeah, Cincinnati, look at that. They go from Desmond Ritter and Alec Pierce and Sauce Gardner. There's a factory now. We got guys yeah. on both sides of the ball. <laughs> All right, give me your IDP of the week. Yeah, this is a three-cone badge because uh, Will Anderson is ridiculous. He's a freak. And I, I'm sure he's going to put up probably the best three cone of all time come combine time. <laughs> uh, yeah, he played 28 snaps in this Vanderbilt game. He had two and a half sacks and five tackles. And he just continues to be a a disruptive force. There, uh, he, he started the season, and it was a little bit disappointing. We weren't seeing the, the kind of gaudy numbers that we were expecting. But he's he's gotten back on track these last few weeks, and in a, in a fifty-five to three win for Alabama over Vanderbilt, he he looked like he was a dominant player. They they Vanderbilt was running a good amount of zone read, and they would just leave Will Anderson unblocked. Bad idea, because that I get it. That's how you design the play. I, I understand how zone read works. Run it to the other side. It, what are we doing? Because you leave him unblocked. Will Anderson is patient. He's waiting. He's like, which one of you are going to get the ball? Because as soon as one of you do, I'm getting a TFL. And that that's what he did basically all night. He was like, all right, I'm either going to force you inside or I'm going to get a TFL. And then he also ended up getting two and a half sacks. So uh, Will Anderson, 
a sack in three straight games and two and a half sacks in this one. Yeah, it's one of those things where you hold them to a, a higher bar than you hold anybody else to because yeah. you already know. You already know what this player is. This is the first overall pick type of a guy. I mean, he if a quarterback needy team uh, or if, if the team picking first doesn't need a quarterback, they will take Will Anderson. That is set in stone. I will say it right now. And so – we just needed to see the numbers to go with it. Uh, and so far or, or now we are seeing him. He's, he's piling up the sacks in the last two weeks. I have a better badge name that I wish I would have used. I was going to, going to do the silver and black badge. <laughs> <laughs> cause the, the Raiders are going to take him number one overall next year. Cause they, they stink so far, but anyway, three cone. Well, I think I think he'll be getting another badge by the time this season ends. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, by towards the end of the year, I can give him the actual team that I think will draft him. Raiders will be zero and seven. Devontae yeah. Adams is begging to come back to Green Bay. Just speaking that into existence. Um, I, I wish. All right. Uh, so that is the fun stuff and by the way look out for will anderson in a very premier game this weekend which we will shout out in a little while that will be his moment for everybody um but it is now time for the call home so i i don't want i don't want the call home segment to be calling the same households every single week. So I think your number, right? (laughs) Is anybody there? Is this the third week? No, I, I feel like I'm going to start capping it at two, two calls. If you, if you get a third call, just take yourself off of my board. Honestly. Wow. So I, I don't want anybody to have that happen. And there's been a few guys this year that have made, the call home segment, a weekly, it's enticing every single week to make that call for the player. And I've already called the Johnston family one time, and I'm going to call him again right now because Quinton Johnston has had just about the worst start to the season that you could have possibly imagined for this type of a player because part of the problem with Johnston is that there's a little bit of that raw element with him. This was only a guy that had 604 yards receiving last year, but what you see is six, four speed, high point ability. I mean, he, he looks like he could be the game breaking outside receiver that every team wants. So what you wanted in 2022 was to see the guy absolutely destroying the inferior teams on this schedule because so far there's been a few of them. And TCU, you can blame the offense all you want, and that is a factor here, no doubt about it. But at the same time, this is not it's not like TCU is scoring seven points every week. I mean, this is another week where they're up, you know, multiple uh, scores. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, for, like 40 points, 35 points or something this week for TCU. Whatever it was, 
they were scoring points. Get this guy involved. Uh, this was another three catch, 29 yards this week. I mean, this is almost a weekly occurrence now. Three catches, two catches, three catches, 22 yards, 22 yards, 29 yards. What's going on here with Quinton? Oh, man. It's it's tough because TCU is in a shootout every game, it seems right. like. It, they they've scored they scored thirty eight against Colorado fifty nine against Tarleton State and then forty two against SMU and you you want to see this this these are the games that Johnson's supposed to have hundred and thirty yards on nine catches and twelve targets this is this is where you're supposed to see that that growth that moves them into oh is this guy going to get taken in, in you know the the teens in the first round like is this guy really uh, an x receiver is is this guy going to be uh you know one of one of the next real guys and so far not so good for for Quinton it's it's been it's been not great i i want you know you you mentioned him in our in our big board and I was like, all right, I'll keep an eye on, on the Horned Frogs and keep an eye on Quentin Johnson. And I was like, God, this team stinks. And, you know, I, I just didn't love what the quarterback was doing. I, I didn't love what the offense was doing. So I excuse week one. And then week two, it's it's the same old stuff. It's it's just like, when when do you stop making excuses and, and when do you put it on the player? And it seems like... It, it's about that time three games in into Johnson's season. Well, and the other thing here is I have to watch the tape. Yeah. You have to watch the tape to see what is happening here. Is he winning and just not getting the ball, or is he not winning? And that turns into a huge problem because on a team like this, I mean, you're playing Tarleton. Yeah. <laughs> 22 yards guy, you're going to be a first-round pick. Like, come on. I, it's it, that's it all goes back to the whole box score scouting deal but at the same time man it's hard it's very hard to defend a player that can't get over 30 yards receiving and and talk about him being a a real first round caliber i mean t- this guy could have been a top 4 dynasty pick he could right. have easily played his way into that with with the sort of role that you project him to have at the next level, not even close so far. Yeah. The only encouraging thing is that he's commanding seven targets. I mean, you, you got to hope that some production starts to come from that. All right. Who are you calling? Well, uh, this is somebody that I, I wanted a lot for in the, in the preseason. This is, a tight end. He's my number two tight end uh, coming into the year. Jaheim Bell uh, has been disappointing basically all year. He had one big catch, and outside of that, basically nothing. I, I've been excusing most of his lack of production uh, based on this South Carolina offense being pretty gross and Spencer Rattler not being very good. But I, last week, they put up 56 points and had a ton of yards against Charlotte. And Jaheim Bell just was not a part of the offense at all. He had two targets, two catches, nine yards. Uh, The only real, I mean, like only big play that he's really made 
was a 46-yard catch against Georgia. And, I mean, that's one of his seven catches on the year. So Bell has been a pretty disappointing so far this year, and uh, it's it's – it's easy to to give the excuse of oh yeah this offense stinks but eventually if you're a good player you're gonna play well and it's kind of the same thing with Johnson where it's like yeah I I I expect you to play well I want you to play well uh, you showed flashes last year and I mean you're you're not really seeing it they they were trying to get him involved as much as possible early and in, in that Georgia State game their week one game he got four targets, four catches. He got seven rush, rush attempts. Uh, but since then, it's been just less and less. And so uh, has hasn't been looking great for Bell. When your offensive coordinator compares you to Debo Samuel, yeah, you'd think that you'd have a little bit of a bigger role in the offense, but that has not been the case thus far. So let's hope that it turns around because it's a very fun player. Just really haven't gotten to see much of him so far. Yeah, and he played uh, four pass down snaps total <laughs> last game. So yeah. there, there's something going on. Something's with wrong there. So, yeah, Bell, you're you're getting a call home. All right, tight ends getting the calls too. There's a few more of those that I think could use one, but <laughs> like you said, fickle position. Tight it is. Ends. It is. All right. Uh, that is our week four slate of players. Uh, looking ahead to week five, and it is a juicy one this week. It is, uh, there's uh, at least three games here that are, I would almost call a must-see TV. And we're not even including the primetime ABC Saturday night game, which is Clemson and, um... North North Carolina State, which is just it's a top ten matchup, but there's really not guys that we're paying too close of attention to there. Um, but outside of that, let's run through some of these games. How about a Friday night game? Friday, Friday, you get done with Friday night lights, you get home for some <laughs> Friday night Pac-12 action. Fifteenth ranked Washington Huskies going up against Zach Charbonnet's. UCLA Bruins that is 9:30 on ESPN Friday night. Yeah, this should be a, a fun one because we haven't talked about Michael Penix much, but he has been wheeling and dealing and uh leading that 15th ranked Huskies team and you could see Charbonnet uh tote the rock a little bit against him. Penix. Yes. That's correct? I don't know. I assume so. I was really just for his sake. I was hoping it was Penix. I, I'll I'll look it up <laughs> real quick. <laughs> uh, yes, Mister Penix. Excuse Penix. me. What Penix. Was that? <laughs> okay, the, Michael is. Ooh, ooh, that was. I figured. Well, you know I he's figured been based on the before, spelling. But, you know, there's yeah. Camp Dynasty. Like anywhere else, is not free from bullies. So you know that P- Penix Penix has come up before. Um, you know, I, I I did this with Kayshawn. I was like, yeah, I, it's not booty. You know, it's got to be booty. And it is booty. So I was like, hey, maybe it just is Penix. It's fine. I'll say it. <laughs> not afraid to say it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Michael P- 
Penix is yes. currently your leading passer in all of college football. And he, uh, I, I have no idea what he looks like, but I have, I, there's been a little bit of, if it's like a pot of water, the little bubbles have started to float to the surface on Penix's name now. So this is going to be a game on Friday night. I'm going to try to tune into because I got to see what, what this guy's all about here. Absolutely. Uh, how about Saturday morning, 11 a.m.? directly following college game day on ESPN, we get oh, SEC matchup number seven, Kentucky Wildcats, Will Levis, Tavion Robinson going up against the number 14th ranked Zach Evans Rebels. This will be a fun game to watch. This, I, I like both of these offenses. Zach Evans is electric this Kentucky offense, you're going to see an NFL draft prospect in Levis. This will be a game to watch. 100%. How about staying on 11 a.m.? So flipping back between these during commercials, ABC, we get 18th-ranked Oklahoma against TCU. I'm keeping TCU on this on the schedule until Quinton shows me something. We got Marvin Mims on the other side to, to appease your appetite there as well. Marvin Mims, baby. The Oklahoma also has a, a running back on the roster that is worth watching, whose name is escaping me. Uh, but yeah, Marvin Mims versus Quinton Johnston, uh, premier wide receiver matchup. Hopefully, it can live up to it. That would be pretty let's great. See. Let's see if it's a premier <laughs> matchup. <laughs> I, well, I'm hoping it's a premier matchup. It would, it'd be nice to see them both get going in this game. Really would. Uh, how about the premier? I'm going to call this the premier matchup of the weekend because we are going to see Alabama, number two ranked, going up against a real opponent here, number 20 now after the defeat to Texas A&M, Arkansas, 2:30 on CBS, and this is. I think this might be the game where we start to really talk about some of the uh, Alabama offensive weapons. I agree. I also think Arkansas is going to get boat raced in this game. I don't yeah. think it's going to be close. Uh, but in saying that, it'll be the first time that Alabama is quote-unquote tested. Uh, Bryce Young has been playing incredibly. Uh, a few guys on that team we, we haven't really highlighted just because that ball gets spread around, so there's not a ton of huge box scores going around. But, yeah, that Alabama team is dominant, and we'll see how K.J. Jefferson deals with Will Anderson. Last game, then. We're staying in the SEC as we do here as we move into the season. This is LSU and Auburn, 6 p.m. on ESPN. So Kayshawn and Tank Bigsby, these are the premier names, head 1v1. Let's see who wins here. Yeah, I, I wish that this was going to be a better game. It's It looks like such a good game on paper. Right. But we, we have some prospects to watch, so it, it'll be a, a fun one. See if Brian Kelly can get this offense rolling. That is the, the week five highlights. So week four, week five, and, man, I'm just – it's just every week it's like we get closer and closer to having to put your name behind these guys for real 
uh, when that whole evaluation business begins. But I'm starting to it's starting to make a little bit more sense in my head. I'm starting to get a, a bit of a clearer picture of kind of where I'm sitting. But I don't know about you. Yeah, I I'm always shuffling. It's like every Monday I I go through and and see. You know, do I want that guy in my top five? You know, he's getting interesting. You know, this uh, I got to figure out my replacement for Rattler at quarterback. Get a, who else is going to be in my top five. And yeah, so it's it's definitely something that's always on my mind. Plenty of time left to figure that all out. Um, all right. Well, let us now move into our final order of business for the week this is campfire stories so my my campfire stories is somewhat related to my morning meeting about not not exactly about take lock but about the fact that sometimes players take a little while to develop uh nfl players deserve some time you, you mentioned it at the beginning that not everybody's jamar chase uh so i, I want to talk about a former camper a favorite of yours and that is trevor lawrence in his second season he has looked like the quarterback that that we expected him to be and there there was a lot of questions Hey guys, after one season, a, a rookie quarterback is not supposed to come into the NFL and look incredible. It, it's it's uh, an anomaly for that to happen. It's it's tough for a rookie to walk into the NFL at any position and be good, much less be elite. Uh, so the, the the like general viewing public is like. Well, Trevor Lawrence, you know, what, 14 touchdowns, 16 picks. The, the, the kid that's not living up to the, the Peyton Manning-Andrew Luck comparisons. And now he has been making some big boy throws in these games where he's throwing off platform, he's throwing on time, he's throwing on target, he's ripping balls into tight windows. And it's it's been everything you hope to see out of Trevor Lawrence – you've seen and maybe all it took was getting rid of the worst coaching staff in nfl history uh but it also just might have been a year of experience under his belt because things take time it's not all oh hey i drafted trevor lawrence 101 in my super flex rookie draft why does he suck now let me trade him no give the kid some time to to learn how to play in a pro system how to play for a nfl team uh, he's playing in the, the ACC at Clemson, running a college-style offense. Like, he, I know he was a generational prospect, but he still is ne was not an NFL player. He needs time to learn, and and that that goes for a lot of different guys. Man, I could sit here. I could sit here. This is a nice fire we have here, and yeah. if you wanted me to, I could sit here for an hour and tell you exactly everything that was wrong with the people that came out after Trevor's rookie season and said all sorts of ridiculous things about him. But the one thing that I will say 
especially because this is, after all, a dynasty fantasy football campsite platform here. If the analytics community is the camp across the lake that we kind of scowl at from time to time, the fantasy football dynasty subreddit is the <laughs> meth lab down the street that nobody ever wants to go to or look at when they drive by because that place is just full of these exact sorts of overreaction BS takes. And one of them that caught my eye was it just said, do you still believe in Trevor Lawrence? And I'm sitting there like, yeah. yes. What? Y yeah. Yeah. What? What's the question here? Why are we even saying it's it's so asinine that we have now become so reactionary that when a guy of that caliber, Trevor Lawrence, and I said this last week too, it's not like Trevor Lawrence was polished. I no. mean, you can call him, like, I hate the word generational, and I yeah, maybe that's yeah. my campfire story for next week. Maybe I'll even break it out today because I have a whole thing about the word generational. But Trevor Lawrence had a, a package, the, the, the complete you know package of tools and talent and production and you know all of all of it. It all was there with Trevor. But it, it, he wasn't like this lights out perfect quarterback and in his last season at Clemson. He just wasn't. And so there was going to be a learning curve for him throw in the worst coaching staff in the history of the NFL and you have a recipe for disaster. And oh, by the way, even with all of that going on, Trevor did look pretty damn good at certain at points during his rookie season. So if you're telling me that a guy's going to fight through that much, you know, going against him, the worst team in the league, the worst coach ever, and he's going to still show you a little bit of what you saw out of him coming out, that's a recipe right there for a guy to take a huge leap in year two, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, after a 38-10 victory over the Chargers where yeah, he just, just looked incredible because he looked really good last week. I, I forget who they played. Uh, the, the Colts. They, they beat mm -hmm. the Colts, and he looked great in that game. And I was like, all right, well, let's see uh, against the Chargers, against this defense that, that looks really good, this Brandon Staley defense, and he delivered. And yeah, I, that that's that's where it's like you get stuck on your takes, but also don't give them up right away. Like there's the the happy medium where it's like guys like Trevor Lawrence, where you know that there's elite talent there. Why are we so quick to to give up on that guy? To and it's not like a majority of people were giving up on him. A lot of people, but there's, there was a, a decent amount that were saying, this guy is looking shaky, and so that we just gotta ease up a little bit. Etn, I, I saw the other day. Oh, is it time to does does Etn suck? He lost his job to James Robinson. It, like, is is it time to to give up on him? It's like, no, it's his third NFL game coming off foot injury. You mean uh, premier NFL running back James Robinson? I mean like, the GOAT, the, James Robinson. <laughs> like, 
that's what we're saying here. Like, yeah. oh, wow, he lost his oh, – okay, yeah, James Robinson's a great player. <laughs> right, like he's splitting snaps with a guy that has 1,600 yards in a season. Like, yeah, yeah. who cares? It, that It is what it is. Like, yeah, he was drafted in the first round. Yeah, he was injured. Don't – stop, stop, stop. It's his third NFL game. you got to remember that. Like, even if he was drafted two years ago, he didn't play last year at all, not a snap. And now you're ready to give up after three games when he's being a little inefficient in his uh, first couple games in the NFL. You know who else started a little inefficient in his NFL career? Tell me. Jonathan Taylor. Hey. Through seven games of his rookie season, there was a vocal group of people saying, what's wrong with Jonathan Taylor? Is this a bust? That tells you all you need to know. Well, Jamar Chase couldn't catch the ball. I tell yeah. you what. <laughs> this, see, this is uh, okay. All right, my my campfire story this week. Uh, I saw a tweet from. I, it must have been coming off the heels of week two. What we're, we're a week behind in the, in the NFL, right? Yeah, we're a week behind. It, it confuses me every day. Yeah, so I think it was off the week, off of week two, uh, the game where Herbert got hurt in. Justin Herbert. So another former camper, just because you know that's everybody, but yeah, yeah, younger yeah. younger player here. Justin Herbert. I see a tweet, and it says, "Justin Herbert, don't make a generational throw." on a weekly basis challenge. And it was a clip of him making a, a great throw. And it was it, it, it basically insinuating that he is making a transcendent play on every single week that only he can make. Because that's what the word generational means. It means that it's once in a generation. I'm sorry to tell you, everybody, but... There are several really, really good quarterbacks in the NFL that make some really ridiculous throws every single week. So maybe we just retire this term generational. I understand you want to put a lot of emphasis on it. You want all the casuals to understand how ridiculous this throw was. It was generational. Nobody does this except, oh, wait, Aaron Rodgers did the same thing last week, and Pat Mahomes did the same thing in week one, and Josh Allen's going to do the same thing next week. So maybe we just let really, really, really great players be really, really great without trying to paint them as some sort of deity that is just overlooking the rest of the talent in the NFL. Yeah, the the word generational gets thrown around in the in the draft process again. It's going to happen with Will Anderson, I guarantee it. Chase Young yeah, was a was generational gonna, pass rusher. Yep. I was going to 3 years later we have the next generational pass rusher. Do we know that a generation is longer than 2 years? <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah, I I agree. Just retire the phrase generational when we're talking about, you know, any prospect, any just like unless it's actually generational, 
which is is saved for things that are something you've literally never seen. Like the Odell catch, that was a generational catch. Because guess what? We haven't seen anything like that since, and there hasn't wow. really been. The George Pickens one wasn't wow. close. I am so sick of hearing the George Pickens catch. The George well. Pickens catch, he literally was like over the shoulder, one-handed catch. It was excellent. But the Odell catch was generational. He was getting pass interfered, pulled to the sideline, and reached his arm over the opposite side of his body to catch it with three fingers and scored a touchdown. I'm sick of the the, the George Pick. I I didn't want to get on this soapbox, but that George Pickens catch wasn't close to the Odell catch. The Odell catch was generational. Though the Pickens catch was great. All right, that that's where I'm setting the goddamn bar. Okay, generational. Was, is is something that it's like, wow, that that ugh, I don't know if I've ever seen that in my life. That might be the best thing ever. That might be the best catch ever. That might be the best whatever, ever. That then you can start using the word generational. But if it's like the pick and sketch, it's like man, he's got great hands. Hell of a catch. It's like yeah, he also got twenty five yards and you know it was like a over the shoulder. You know, bad quarterbacks make make good wide receivers look great. Tell you what, all the little campers are just peering out of the windows right now. Like, what's all the commotion out <laughs> yeah, here? Wondering why I'm yelling. What? What the hell? It's supposed to yeah. be campfire story. It's supposed to be nice and relaxing. <laughs> it's a nice, cool night. You got the warm fire. <laughs> I'm just screaming. Oh, man. Sometimes you gotta let it all out after a tough day at camp. It's yeah. Just, but. No, I, 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 I'm in the camp of just retiring the freight. Because generational, like how much is a generation? That's got to be at least 10 years. It's like 15. When's the last time that a prospect came out that you could truly say for 15 years there was nobody that came close to them in any regard? You, exactly. I don't think you can say that. Like, like... Saquon was the last like quote unquote generational running back, and right. it's like, and there's... does he have incredible talent? Yeah, but like, you you can't say generational because like you also don't know what's coming for the next fifteen years because that's what a generation is. You gotta you right. gotta account for what's coming after. And Bijan Robinson is an elite talent, close to what Saquon was. I think it comes down to athleticism. If you can test, you know, if you have the skills that are like jaw dropping, and then you also test in a way that you're like one of one, then sure, you're generational because nobody's going to test like you. But sure, right? How how often is that really happening? I mean, somebody crunch these numbers, find out how BS that phrase really is. All right, Smart Chase, generational. <laughs> And Justin Jefferson. Oh, gonna pour a little water on this fire tonight. It's getting a little too hot here. Yeah. Uh, but all right, that was fun. Um, we will be back next week to break down all of the action, some premiere names. Maybe we'll get some Michael Penis Penix in here. Um, uh, talk about him a little bit, and yeah, so fun stuff. Moving right along here on uh, Camp Dynasty. And we're happy to have you every single week. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, let's see who's going to catch Phoenix's load. Let's, 
Okay. Uh, on that note, <laughs> have a great week.